Yo, 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 les jeunes! Troisième épisode de Dread Soul Tape avec David Bocage. On reçoit aujourd'hui Mike Condon. Oui, Mike Condon, l'ancien gardien de but des Canadiens de Montréal. On l'a reçu au studio à la fin de l'été, juste avant que la saison commence. Évidemment, bien avant qu'il sache qu'il allait être mis au balotage par les Canadiens, qu'il soit réclamé par les Pingouins de Pittsburgh et qu'il soit après échangé aux sénateurs d'Ottawa. Au moment de sortir l'épisode, il est gardien de but pour les sénateurs d'Ottawa. Donc, c'est juste intéressant de garder ça en tête là, en écoutant l'entrevue qui a été enregistrée, évidemment, bien avant que tout cela arrive. Euh, on est souvent surpris, quand, quand je dis à des gens qu'on a reçu Mike Condon, ils sont assez surpris de qu'on reçoive c'est un joueur qui, qui était pour le Canadien. Puis en fait, c'est que Mike est un ami du coproducteur de l'émission avec moi, mon ami Thomas, et euh, auquel je fais référence dans l'émission sous le pseudonyme Producer Tom, qui est son nom d'artiste. Donc, ils ont été ensemble à l'université à Princeton. Donc, euh, quand Tom l'a appelé pour venir au, au podcast, il a accepté, euh, il est vraiment gentil, il a accepté même avant de savoir, je pense que Tom était producteur. Il est arrivé ici avec son four-pack de, de bière Sapporo prêt à jaser. Donc, euh, vraiment chouette, chouette type Mike Condon. Très chouette type, vraiment pas euh, exactement l'anti-vedette. C'est un gars qui sait qu'une carrière dans nationale peut durer euh, 10 ans comme elle peut durer euh, 15 minutes. Donc, il a vraiment une attitude euh, absolument exemplaire. Il est venu ici jaser. Euh, la raison pourquoi j'ai comment euh, Tom connaît Mike, c'est en fait, je l'explique d'entrée de jeu au podcast, mais tout ça dans un anglais absolument non réchauffé. Et euh, ouais, c'est ça, évidemment, l'entrevue le, le, est en anglais. Je pense que c'est pas si pire. Évidemment, ça expose quelques lacunes que j'ai dans la langue de Shakespeare. Mais Mike est de bonne foi, puis... Euh, il n'en fait pas de cas. Mais non, sinon, ça quand même, ça s'est bien été. C'est sûr qu'évidemment, mon manque d'articulation que j'ai déjà en français, ça m'a appris qu'il qu se transposait parfaitement dans toutes les langues. Donc ça, c'est toujours fun de savoir que tu peux ne pas articuler dans, dans plus qu'une langue. Euh, sinon, euh, ben c'est ça, dans le fond, je vous laisse écouter l'épisode. Donc, euh, Mike Condon qui est passé au studio à la fin de l'été. Donc, euh, premier épisode en anglais de ce tape en plus. Donc, euh, voilà. Here's my chit-chat with buddy Mike. Condon. Dressel tape avec David Bocage. Ah, it's rolling. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, first things first. The reason why you're here first is uh, you're a friend with the producer Tom. I call him producer Tom. Tom, who's a friend of yours yep. from college who went yep. to Princeton. And the way I found out about you is a year ago, um, he called me. He's always in a hurry. Tom yeah. is always in a hurry for he's, no he's a reason. Man. Yeah. He's never going anywhere, yeah. but he's busy. Yeah. Um, he wouldn't be busy if he, wouldn't, if he didn't take so much time saying he's busy but anyway yeah. so he called me up and he was like hey man I got a can I borrow your inflatable mattress I got a friend coming over and all and I was like yeah yeah sure like don't, yeah come yeah. over and he's like and he comes to my place he's like yeah I don't have time to, to kind of chat but just throw the mattress and I'll, I'll tell you later right? he's like I have a friend trying out for the halves and I'm like, Wait, you have a friend trying out for the house? Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah, yeah. Probably gonna be in the DHL or anything, and just and you were that guy. You happen to be. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's always hard because um, you're not making. I mean, you're making a decent amount of money in the minor leagues, and you're coming up, but yeah. you're still trying to pinch pennies and, and pay for school and everything. And so, I was still trying to pinch pennies. And I was like, I was driving up. I was like, who do I know in Montreal? Yeah. And I was like, oh man, Tommy. I gotta give Tommy a ring. So I called him up and. Uh, He was nice enough to offer me a, a a place at a spot at his place, but I ended up finding something a little bit a little bit more comfortable and, <laughs> and out of his hair. But um, 
funny story about about Tommy and I is that he was the goalie. He was a senior, and I was the the freshman coming in after yep. him who were, who was replacing him on the yep. team. So exactly, it's kind of funny how you know end up in the same city and I'm still talking yeah. to the same guys. So it's pretty cool to have that network. Yeah, every time I tell that story, people are like. He can't afford a mattress. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, he can. But I mean, and I think you didn't even go out that night because you were supposed to kind of go out for the evening and then like probably party and come back to your to his place. But you actually got a call and a practice was set up the next morning. So you just called Tony and was like, yeah, this is not gonna happen, and, yeah. and ended up going. Yeah. Um, something I wanted to start off with was um, a year ago, like about a year ago when you made the team, you're, you guys had a chance to bring your dad on the road. Yep. The dad road trip. And one of my biggest laughs of 2015 was this young girl was interviewing your dad and she was like, Mr. Condon, your son made it to the NHL. He's, he's in the NHL. You Did you always believe you would actually make it? And he was like, no. <laughs> no, I didn't. I really did. Yeah. I, I I told him, I you gotta get back to that finest thing. You yeah. gotta get get your thing going, and uh, this is just how that's that's yeah. just so funny. Like, what's what's that say about your dad? Like he yeah, the, he's uh, the real he's the yeah, real. I call, I call him the Sarge. He's a he's a sergeant. <laughs> he's a sergeant in the Massachusetts State Police uh, for about you know going on thirty years now. So uh, oh he's he's a pretty serious guy. And so I was I was watching his his camp. His, like I always watch his, his interviews when the, on the parents trip and. And like they kind of teach you how to how to you know interview and right. really how to deflect right. questions and, and answer correctly and I'm and I'm watching right. him and he's answering every single question like he's at the podium <laughs> about answering a homicide or something and he's got his hand folded and he's all uptight and <laughs> and he's doing the yes and no thing like a, like a cop so he he's he never really can shut that off so when he, when he was doing that it was kind of. A, Kind of the Boston came out and them and it was yeah. like, you, know, you think you're gonna make the team? He's like, nah, no, no way. No, what are you talking about? He's like, we've, like, we've always been like an education first type thing. Right. And, uh, there was that, there was that opportunity to go back to school and then finish my thesis at the physical location at school, okay. but I did it on the road. But okay. the whole time he was like, hey, you're gonna be there on time. You're gonna be there on time. Like, you're gonna get it done. And I'm like, I'm gonna get it done. Relax, relax. <laughs> and then and he was. He was. Uh, I remember. I remember. I failed the class at Princeton, and it was like oh, statistics, no. and I, like, I was so bad at math, and it was like it was Princeton statistics. So yeah. I, I tried teaching myself the the, the book, with like three weeks ago, and I was like, I'm prepared, and I needed like a 54 just to get a D. Oh that's, that's just that's passing yeah. in, that, in, in American college. <laughs> I ended up getting like a 52. And so uh, I remember that dropped my GPA from a three point two to a two nine, which is a B minus to a C plus. Right. So I told my dad that, and he was like, "I was like, you know what, Mikey? It would have been nice to graduate Princeton with a three point You know, it would have been <laughs> nice." And I was like, "You know what, Dad? It took you seven years to graduate college, so I don't think you have the right to really comment on my GPA right now." And he was he was on the Van Wilder uh, yeah. Van Wilder time seven years for for oh undergrad, God. so that was pretty funny. Now, what does he think of all of this now that you're? In the NHL, like, what is he? Like, is he just like kind of uh, all of a sudden like bragging? Is like my kid is he? Is he like proud? Is he it's, like? What's, it's what's tough. The, I mean, it's it's the suburbs in Boston, which right. is you know Bruins hockey, and, and hockey's huge in New England as it is up here. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, people you grow up playing with, everyone has the numbers still, and, and he gets he gets bombarded as much as I do. And on top of yeah. that, he's part of one of the biggest fraternities in 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 
in the workforce, which is the state police. So, right. I mean, these guys are crazy sports fanatics too, and you have to work with them all day. So, his kids playing for the Habs. Yeah, these, how worse can it get? You no, know, I mean, these guys are these guys are all Habs fans now. So it's right. it's kind of funny seeing that. And that's cool. I remember we were playing in Pittsburgh, and, and behind the net there was four guys from the state police who had red state police shirts <laughs> with with Condon on the back, and um, you know, yeah, he's he's he's. We're all kind of struggling dealing with with everything. It's so new and it's yeah. such a, it's so much, and you you can never really get away from it. But um, you know he's 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 over the moon. He just needs to work on his uh, interview skills a little bit better. <laughs> he was uh, he was actually involved in the uh, the manhunt for the uh, in the Boston Marathon bombers. Yeah, what was ma- that like? Yeah, the marathon bombing was. Uh, I was playing in Houston. I was on the PTO in Houston player right. tryout, and um, it was it was uh, Patriots Day, which is a huge huge day in Boston. Which is the Sox always play. And there's always a marathon, and right. security is always big and. Um, the call went out that you know a couple bombs went off and now the man hunts on so that went out over the whole radio or like Massachusetts CB radio so pretty much every single cop from 50 miles was there in about 10 minutes and oh my, my dad said you should have seen the highway it was thousands of police cars with their lights on 100 miles an hour getting getting down there Oh and then there was that huge shootout, and they were throwing grenades and, and, and all this stuff, and they ditched the car. And you know there was a lot of problems too with friendly fire because guys didn't know who was who. A couple of couple of shit cops shot at a couple at, at fellow cops, so it was kind of kind of crazy like that. No one had much information. There was so much confusion. Panic. Yeah, and they actually set up a perimeter where they thought the guy was, and they were going house to house. But the guy was actually outside the perimeter. So my dad's job when they they called everybody in was to secure a part of what they thought was the perimeter where the guy was and he ended up being hiding in that boat you know right. like a quarter mile away from where they thought he was so oh my yeah. god that was like, that's so intense like yeah it was it was uh, i was watching it i was i was trying to call him and he was like i'm fine we're just we're just securing this area and i'm yeah. like well it's not like like i'm i'm in all the way in houston yeah. you know and everyone's freaking out on on twitter and, and instagram and, and bar stools going crazy and it's just Everyone's texting. You're getting photos, and it's just like you don't really, you don't really know whatever right. ever can happen with with that. Was he involved with the the, the manhunt when they actually found the guys and all? Or by then, he was like, uh, no, it was uh, some, some guy. There was a boat in the back of this yard, and this guy was like, uh, he got it sealed for the winter. So when you seal a boat, oh yeah, I remember that. You had the plastic covering on the boat. Yeah, so when yeah. you seal a boat, you would remember if you take it off or not. Yeah, it was like yeah, really yeah. expensive to seal a boat, so. The guy was probably the guy was looking out his backyard. He's like, "Hey, uh, I called the FBI." He was like, "Hey, uh, my boat covering is off," and that's something that people just don't do. It's, yeah. just, it's hard to do. So within five minutes, you know, FBI team was there, and I think it was like five hundred bullets were, were shot at the guy. Oh, really? They only hit the guy twice, though, which is surprising. But <laughs> still <laughs> got it in the end. They, they got I him. guess those bullets were they, worth it. Yeah, yeah, they got him. So you're from uh, you're from uh, uh, Massachusetts, and um, you, you were your you from like a hockey family? Was your dad like into hockey or? Yeah, um, my dad. My dad was a football player. Okay, yeah. So, so he he played thing. college and football, college and high school. He okay. wanted me to be a football quarterback right. really, really badly, and I kind of had the pedigree for it. I was always a little bit taller, a little bit stronger than than the kids in my grade, and I'm a lefty, so I could I could throw the ball pretty good, but. Uh, football wasn't my thing and played it in seventh and eighth grade and I was just getting hurt on every single play and I was like, I was playing hockey at the time too, but I was like, this is, this is just no fun. Football practice is not fun. For, and I'm sure everyone who was listening to this who's played football, it's, knows. you gotta be a certain kind of animal to be, yeah, you know, yeah. just every single play getting wrecked. Um, but no, we weren't a, we weren't a hockey family. He played hockey in high school, got out of it probably when he was in high school and 
try to get my brother into it and we had a nice little um fresh i remember the we got the driveway paved nice and fresh and it was nice fresh asphalt so it was good for street hockey and my brother was five years older than me so i was the one naturally going in the net and everyone in the neighborhood coming down taking slap shots so tennis hey, balls and are you the young, are you the, the youngest yeah i'm the youngest because it's usually us. the youngest just yeah the youngest is the, is, the, is the shooting target yep so well, you're like they 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 always like are you like type of guy always been a goalie did you like always want to be a Because you know they always yeah. say like the goalie's the weird kid in the team. He's just the yeah. guy doing his thing. And yeah. were you always like, yeah, I'm a goalie? No, or, I was. No? I was a forward. I mean, I, right. I, th I think I was walking around when I was younger, telling everyone I scored 31 goals when I was a might see. <laughs> and there's like no way that was true. But for some reason, in my mind, I scored 31 goals, and I remember, I remember telling people that. But I remember, the, I remember the moment I had to make a decision. We had a, a split family home, which is a typical like New England like structure. Like one stair goes up, stairs right. one stair goes downstairs. I remember I was at the top and he was at the bottom and he's like you got to make a decision right now are you going to be a goalie or a forward and i was just like uh, okay i'll be a goalie and then uh, that was that was goalie that was and i think it was more the pads and the helmets and all the cool gear you get yeah. all the extra special attention when you're a kid it's like no take care of the goalie yeah, protect yeah. the goalie when you're a kid that's kind of attracted for yeah. you so i like designing that stuff well, your parents like because uh, you know like being a goalie is more expensive too Oh, so were your parents yeah. like, uh, like, oh shit, like uh, that, was, that was tough. I mean, yeah. I, my parents got divorced when I was really young, and you know, right. money was money was tight, and we're different homes, you know, different towns. It was keep growing up, keep the, growing the, up, and the, the gear from the previous year doesn't fit. Anymore. Yeah, when you're when you're going through like three or four different growth spurts and skates, pads, everything, right. everything changes. So on top of since seventh grade or uh, I went to a prep school so you know that was pretty expensive too so he, yeah that was like a Belmont was Belmont, that? Belmont yeah. Hill School in uh, yeah. Belmont Massachusetts there's a pretty prominent prep school league around the city of Boston which is uh, was it known it, for hockey or something yeah it was very known for hockey um, it's called an independent school league and um, around that too there's also you know Catholic schools like you might have heard of like Catholic Memorial or Boston College High stuff like that Malden Catholic but It's mostly um, schools like Nobles and Greeno, Belmont Hill. They're weird. Right. They're weird names when yeah. you hear them, like Buckingham Brown and Nichols. But it's it's weird. It's, uh, it's funny you bring it up because I, I ran into a guy from my high school who uh, I played hockey with who uh, went to the states to St. Paul's. Yeah, St. Paul's Academy. Yeah, sure. yeah, uh, yeah, to play hockey, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, I played against Mike's. I played against Mike uh, Condon." I was like, "Frankie?" And uh, no, his name is uh, oh. um, Julian Shine. Oh, okay. And uh, I came came back here and played for McGill, I think. And uh, I was like, yeah, so because you've been portrayed as the guy who was always not the best from the group, but always kind of found a way to make it through. Yeah. I was like, so how how was he? He was mm -hmm. like, he was really good. He was the guy to beat if you want to beat. That's what he told mm -hmm. me textbook. He said, if you wanted to beat Belmont, you had to go to my God. He told mm -hmm. me that. I was like, so he <laughs> finally someone saying like, no, he's good. Like, not always. He, well, he was okay, but then kind of, no, he was actually very good. So I was like, ah, finally someone like, uh, making it like, just it's like, yeah, it was very good in uh, Belmont. So, um, So uh, what was your mom doing for a living? Uh, My mom was a real estate agent, so right. when 2008 happened, that was kind of bad for everyone in the yeah. pretty much all across the board, and real estate really dried up, so she had to find an alternative means of, uh, of making an income. So she was a clinical dietitian, so she does that right now in Florida. Okay. Yeah. When you were in uh, prep school, were you like the, the kid everyone was saying, like, oh, you're, you're going to the NHL, you're... Yeah, sure oh, shot. Were far, there, were, far, were, far from were, it. Were you talking about the draft oh, back then? Oh no, 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 far from it. It's tough in prep school because um, there's always rumblings about. You know, I went there in seventh grade, and it's till twelfth grade, so you're there right. for six years. And 
you know, everyone's always looking at the depth chart, you know, who's the senior, who's the junior, who's the sophomore, you know, who's the freshman. And if there's a guy ahead of you, that guy usually gets the benefit of the doubt right. until you can surpass him. And you only really play 30 games, so it's like you have a really, really small window to right. prove mm. your worth. So in front of me, I had three goalies. Behind me, I had four goalies. And everyone's parents are always whispering. Things are always going back yeah, and forth. Yeah. Some friend, some guys are friends with the other guys. And like, oh, this guy's so good. This guy went to that camp. And mm-hmm. it was never that like, oh, no, th- there was there was never anyone who was, oh, this is a solidified guy. This is right. the guy who's going to play. So I got the- to start my junior year, and it was just like that game was the game that you know kind of started the whole started it all. You know, right? Yeah. And was. Uh- Because you had the option probably of going to college, which you eventually yeah. did, but yeah. was junior ever an option? Uh, after I committed to Princeton, my my junior year in college, I still had one year left. I got a couple. I got drafted last overall, or like one fifty nine out of. I, I could probably look it up. I don't know what the number was, but I know it's the I know it's the second to last uh, draft pick in the in the USHL. So um, oh, really? Sioux City Musketeers. Right. I had that option, and then I, there was a couple. There was, a, there was a team in the British Columbia Hockey League too, but I was already at Belmont Hill for five years. I was already, my dad already spent that much money. It would be kind of a waste to not get that diploma at least, and, and not have that network. Didn't um, you didn't even bring it up or had to talk? Uh, it was close. It was close. You know, I kind I kind of wanted to go as a, as when you're a kid that that young, and some team says they want you. It's like, oh yeah, I want to go where I'm yeah. one. But in reality, like I probably would have showed up to that tryout. There would have been seven goalies there. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I would already shot myself in the foot. So when you got the uh, the Princeton, uh, did you have a financial aid for that, or did, did they offer yeah. you like the what they call? I mean, it's not a scholarship because yeah. it's an Ivy League, but yeah. like the financial aid, you get full financial. Yeah, aid? it's it's need based financial aid. Right. So it's they take a your parents' income. Right. Um, like you said, there's no there's no scholarships, but um, when you're when you know a single parent working as hard as he is, the the read was was not very accurate, but. I took all the loans in my name because he paid for prep school, so I knew that when he wouldn't be burdened with that anymore because he's he's already did his part. Right. Yeah. So so when you got to to Princeton, you actually I think you I don't know if you found your own company, but you did some furniture moving. Yeah, we um, Princeton Hockey is known for, no, new, is known for a company <laughs> called uh, the Moving and Storage. It's a student agency, so. What it does for the students is that in the spring when you're leaving uh, and you have all this heavy furniture like yeah. you know, couches, TVs, everything, and you live in California, like you're not going to take a truck, go put it in the storage yeah. area, come back in the fall, put it back, and like it's a pain, it's a whole pain in the butt. Right. It's very expensive. So we came up with there was a plan that came up I don't know, twenty thirty years ago where we'll we'll store it for you, we'll pick it up for you, and we'll put it into your fall room the next semester. Um, and you don't have to ever touch it. And that's so, the hockey players. Uh, that's thing. the hockey players. So we would always show up two or two or three weeks early with uh, with these tractor trailers full of couches, TVs, granite bars, anything you can imagine from the craziest to the wildest. And we would have to pick it up, put it in the truck, drive it to the dorm. <laughs> and these are this is an old campus, so you got seven story dorms with no elevators, and you got to put a sofa bed that weighs you know four hundred pounds. It was great for team building because yeah. you know you put a senior with a freshman. You know you have to communicate in order to get that thing up if you don't want to yeah. die. So I, I saw I read somewhere you say it was the hardest physically, the hardest job you ever did. The hardest physically demanding job I ever done in my life. Um, most painful as well. Um, 
you know, your, your, your shins, your fingers, uh, if you, you learn a lot very quickly handling a, handling a fridge with a microwave <laughs> on top of it. There's a lot of moving parts and a lot of things that can, no, a lot really. of springs, a lot of, a lot of places you could, you know, cut your fingers yeah. off. Um, and not to mention dropping something is, is expensive. So yeah, I pretty and, much saw a lot. I ran up my senior year, but I saw a lot in four years and it was, it was the most fun, but, um, you know, ten hour days moving furniture. I see those guys out there right now, and I, I don't envy it. You must be laughing your your ass off playing, being paid to play hockey right now. Just, yeah, just hockey. That's that's one of the things I've been probably most fortunate about is just is perspective. Whether it's being in, you know, just I mean, playing pro in the East Coast League or or you know, working for a moving company. When I'm up here today, and I, you know, I get a set of pads and I get a T-shirt, I'm like, well, this is still pretty cool. Yeah. Because like, in college, you know, you get a T-shirt, and you got to fill out like a form <laughs> for it, and then you got to yeah. have the NCAA approve it, and so it's a whole pain, pain in the butt. But now it's like, I'm still pinching myself every day. Absolutely. You, uh, you said you raised like around two hundred. 200 grand with yeah. that job for yourself or for the f- um, since it's a student agency we don't get to actually get to to keep it all oh, um, some of the numbers probably were higher I heard I heard the higher numbers the years before me it was declining when I uh, when I inherited it but um, yeah they were bringing something like three hundred thousand two hundred thousand dollars in revenue but the students only take a, a split like one percent of it so we right. each get like 0.5 and then Which and then you get a bonus too, which can be up to a hundred percent bonus. But you're walking away with for running that. You're walking away with probably about six grand, which is depending like, on how much stuff you break. Which is not a lot. Of, which is not a lot of money for uh, for the a, American uh, for a college kid. Six grand yeah. is, a, is a decent amount of money. I mean, obviously, it doesn't cover anywhere close to what tuition is. Yeah. Um, but it's in the amount of blood, sweat, and you know, yeah. tears and, and swears and and, and stuff yeah. like that. But the memories, I, I wouldn't trade for anything. It was probably one of the most fun I ever had. Because here in uh, in uh, uh, Quebec, the tuition fees are very low, like a few yeah. thousand dollars. Yeah, and I, I I remember kids were marching on Parliament yeah. a couple of years ago, yeah. and I, I remember I asked them, and I was like, "What are you guys marching for?" And they're like, "Oh, what tuition's too high." And I was like, "Oh yeah, isn't what I agree? Tuition's super high. What are you guys paying?" And they're like, three grand a semester." And I was like. You guys need to turn around. Like, this is absolute garbage. It's like like <laughs> this is like, Princeton was like sixty five thousand dollars a year, yeah. and I was like, you, you, it kind of angered me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it was like kind of the the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. You, uh, how was your go, uh, hockey going in Princeton? How was that? How did that go? Uh, it was it was up and down. Freshman year, didn't play that much. I think I played a uh, hundred and ten minutes or something like that. Or I, I, I don't even remember. Yeah, one, I think one. you first year says here four games. Four games. How many minutes? Uh, no, no, it doesn't say <laughs> Say two point forty four goals against. Yeah, that's sub three. I'll take it. Uh, yeah, it's above but nine. Just but, four, um, four games is not. Yeah, minutes. four appearances. I think I got one start, and the other were the other were in relief. So uh, I carried three goalies. We called it the. We had a really good goalie named Zane Kalemba, who uh, who Tommy knows as well. Right. Who uh, Tommy competed with. So you only he, really actually played on. You didn't actually really play until your fourth year. That's where you actually played twenty four games. And yeah, you got to start it's and college hockey. Is, yeah, it's I, you know I almost it's almost like you're 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 stuck. It's almost I don't want to use the wrong term here, but it's almost like being like you're you're stuck for four years. Right, and if you want to leave, the NCAA says you have to wait a year. So really? if you pick your school wrong, or the coach likes a player over you, mm-hmm. or You know, a disagreement happens or anything like that. You're you're constantly walking on eggshells because you you have to follow what the team is doing, or else right. you're never going to play. Right. And you have 30 games. Right. And if you want to leave, you pretty much can't. 
So yeah. for kids these days, it's scary because uh, the NCAA doesn't make it very easy for them to, to, to move on or to, to make a change if something's not right. And how do you make a decision when you're 18? Right. So it's not all fun and games as we would um, believe it. If, if if you're if I mean it can go very well. If I mean obviously when you're on any team, you want to follow what what the team protocols are and stuff like that. But if there's if there's something that doesn't agree with you, maybe you don't even like the school. You know that's that's a huge thing too. My like hockey might be going great, but the school you don't agree with is right. Now you have to wait a year, right? And you're a year older. And now you're graduating at 24, times 25, out, times right. running out, and it's now you have to go play junior as an older guy. It's just a whole, it's a whole pain, and it's it's very, it's very, very difficult for kids go trying to play college hockey. Did you all the time you were in prison? Did you still were you still having like any, the NHL in the back of your mind? And like, how is there any way eventually I can? Were no, you, yeah. you were still thinking about it. Was, it? Yeah, I mean, I was I was working. I, I never really had like a huge. You know, a plan for hockey. I just knew, like, my whole career was just, well, how am I gonna, how am I gonna like maximize this year? How am I yeah. gonna, how am I gonna make this the best year possible? And everything was just working towards that year. Right. And you, like, as a freshman, how am I gonna get a game? How am I gonna do it? How yeah. much am I? Gonna, how hard? And how hard am I gonna have to work to get a game right. next year? It's like, now, well, how do I, how do I battle out this freshman coming in behind me who's really good? Now I'm every single day competing with this kid yeah. from fall to spring. Which is a weird concept to be competing against a teammate. Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's the that's the goalie part. Like, that's like, what goaltending is. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of uh, how like you actually hate this person. Being, oh no, no, you know no, what I mean. No. It's kind of a weird. No, it's it's hard to explain. Yeah. Um, my whole philosophy. I have a pretty. I'm pretty. I'm, I'm a guy who believes in karma, and, and hockey karma is probably the most you know deliberate and, and quick uh, yeah. <laughs> dose you can get. So. Uh, I never wish badly upon anyone. I think I think that's what you know what losers and, and cowards do is when they wish badly upon someone when they try to, you know, sabotage or anything right. like that. It's 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 helping when you're not playing. You should help the guy to be the best he can be because that you know good energy is only going to come back to you and you know good gets good yeah. and bad bad gets bad. So um, every single one of my goalie relationships I've had in my career, I can say, in my opinion, have been, have been very good. Right. I remember, uh, I was there with Sean Bonner for three years. He's a very, very skilled goalie. He's still playing right now in the, in the East Coast League out of British Columbia. We, me and him had, we're still great friends now, mm-hmm. but every single day we battled it out yeah. for two games on a weekend. Which brings the best 30. out of everyone, I guess. Yeah, it, I learned how to practice. Yeah, <laughs> practices were games. I mean, yeah. you have one bad game on Friday night, and then you don't play for three weeks. But that oh. three weeks is only six games, so you're only playing two games a week. So it's like, yeah, that whole week of practice is an absolute grind, and you're not even competing in the game. Yeah. And then the game hits, and you're and you're like already emotionally and physically fried. Yeah, not to mention you leave class, barely get a meal, run down to the rink, don't even warm up, you hop on the ice. Now you're being evaluated. Yeah. Feel weekend. That's college. Life's hockey. not fair. Life uh, is not. Life is not life fair. Life is certainly not fair. It's but not. Get, it's get not, used to it. Yeah. It's not for the faint of heart. I have. Uh, I've read. Uh, recent articles are coming up about how damaging it is for uh, being a goalie on your body. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the hips and the knees and getting surgery and stuff. Yep. Uh, how the the butterfly. This mm-hmm. is not actually meant for human beings. It's just so hard. And absolutely the, not. Nope. And you did have your share of surgeries in yep. college. You have actually both of your hips. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a little funny story here involving your dad and medication. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, we'll start at uh, we'll start at the first question, which I guess is just the butterfly in yeah. general, right? Well, 
like biomechanically, like you're saying, like a ball and socket joint isn't supposed to do like that. And the whole force of your body with your knees torqued and your, yeah. and your, and your femur torqued in such a way, transferring through your hips. Uh, bone hits bone. When bone hits bone, it creates more bone. Now you have spurs and then you're yeah. in a ball and socket joint, which is just a whole like gooey mess of just yeah. cartilage and membranes. And that rips that all up. You get sharp pain. Or in my case, I just had, huge spurs at the end of my femurs that I wasn't in so much like like razor like pain but yeah. I would go down and I wouldn't be able to get up it would take uh. me two moves to get up get up so one day I went to my to my trainer and I was like uh, you know what's going on here I'm getting like I'm always tight I can't move I'm like I'm feeling locked in and they're like all right we'll go we'll go see the doctor and um they had a bunch of interns in the room and they took a x-ray of my of my pelvic girdle and like they all started laughing as soon as they put it up and I was sitting there I'm just like all right, this is either like really good or really bad. Yeah. And, then, and the, like the doctor was asked, one of the interns is like, "Can you see what's wrong here?" And it's like, "Oh, isn't it obvious? His bone spurs are huge." And I was like, "Oh man!" So I had a thing that's called a cam lesion, which is just basically the the top of your femur growing inside your joint. It's ripping your cartilage. It's doing all this stuff. So they went in there, and um, the soft my sophomore year, I went and I got went to a doctor named Meninder Coker at Boston Children's Hospital, and. They have this little machine. It's like a little Pac-Man. It looks like, and it just eats away the top of your bone. And, oh my god! Well, they pull your you know, pull your joint out of your socket so they can get into it, right? Put yeah. you in traction, then put they strap you down, put you in traction. You're obviously asleep, and then they they mm-hmm. they, they they go in and they they eat the bone away with this little <sighs> Pac-Man machine, Man. and they smooth it out, and then they reattach what's left of your hip and floating around and. The doctor was like, I go, how'd it go? He's like, well, when I entered your hip, everything looked like a snow globe. Um, cause like all my cartilage and everything was just floating around. And, oh my God. but to be honest right now, I have my, my hips haven't felt better. And I think a lot of that problem too is just college hockey in general, because we have the same lifting program as the football team. And hmm. most guys who graduate college will tell you this is, it's a Monday and you're, you're, I mean, if not to get too CrossFitty on everybody yeah. right now, but it's a Monday and you're, and you're, you're squatting, you're hand cleaning, you're benching and you're doing pull ups all on the same day. And, and eventually, you're 18. Yeah, yeah. And they want you to keep, you know, progressing, obviously, right? So now you're up to, we go from 185 to 555 on your back. It's not, it's not supposed to be like that. So maybe not the best. Wasn't the best. So the combination of those two things, you know, the heavy lift, the Olympic lifting mixed with a lot of butterflies went to that. And I had my first surgery. And it was funny because it was my 21st birthday. I had my first surgery. I uh, just got, I was like a day out of surgery. I was in a wheelchair. My brother brought, bought me uh, Bruins Habs tickets for the playoffs hmm. Hmm. interesting ironic right so yeah. it was uh, i was 21 he's wheeling me around and um i'm so sorry i obviously i obviously had a i had only had one beer because i was on so much medication but i had to have at least one because my yeah. 21st birthday and it's because the, yeah, the states is drinking age yeah so he's wheeling me around the td garden and i got handicapped seats and i'm sitting there <laughs> and uh it was that it was that game where nathan horton scored uh, the uh, overtime, the overtime game in game, game seven. Game seven, yeah. Oh. I think it might have been game six. And wasn't that's the year they won the cup? That's the year they won the cup. And I was sitting yeah. there in my wheelchair, and I almost jumped out of my wheelchair on my surgically repaired hip one day. Out of surgery, <laughs> but he's alive. Yeah, but the way they do it is they do they they wait four weeks between hips unless you'd be in the wheelchair the whole time. Yeah. So I do one hip, wait four weeks, do another one. Oh, so summer. after the second one, my dad came up to me, and I had a bunch of oxycodone and. It was an intense pain because they obviously just shaved your bone down. Yeah. 
And I was like, I was like, where's my oxycodone? And he's like, you've been on that stuff for four weeks now, and you flushed it down the toilet. So I had it for three <laughs> days post. He didn't want, he didn't want me getting addicted, and you know, it's probably one of the smartest thing because opiate addiction in athletes right now is yeah. I mean, is is I mean, you, did, all you gotta do is Google it on the internet to see how, how prevalent you, it is. Did you think you would have uh, kind of? I didn't. That? I didn't really feel anything. I mean. Who's to, who's to say? I mean, they, I still had muscle relaxers for my legs. It was still on other drugs at the time, but like specifically craving oxycontin, I don't think I could say I was. Right? Yeah. Because like some know, some people say I do. I know. I'm aware that I do have a, like for say like an addictive personality. Yeah. Like this is a bad idea for me, yeah. and you have to kind of watch yourself. Well, that's, yeah. yeah, that's a huge problem in hockey. It's just um, a lot of people, um, you know, almost self-medicate with with, yeah. with pills and everything is available to players, and, and it's hard because it's dangerous. It's very, very dangerous slope. Yeah. So you, uh, um, so you find your dad throwing up. Yeah. So when you graduated, yeah, you graduate from Princeton. You're like, all right, now what? Like hockey, yeah. work? What's that? Yeah, that was a. This is probably the. The craziest three months of my life. Uh, I look back on it now, and I was like, I, I can't believe that all happened. But I remember we lost to Cornell in the, the mm. playoffs. It was my last college game, and four years is done. You're no longer an amateur. You can sign a pro contract. And we had one guy drafted by the Senators, Michael Sadeo, so he signs his contract. And another guy signs a contract in the Central Hockey League at the time. It no longer exists, but yeah. uh, the Central Hockey League. Two other guys signed. And, And me and my my roommate actually we were finishing running the moving company, okay. and, uh, and it's spring break, right? It's right. your senior spring break. That's when it's like, hey, you know, like the work's pretty much all done. Party time to let loose. You know, sports are over. Like everyone was going. I remember Ultra was huge at the time. Miami Ultra, you know yeah. that concert, like the EDM music, like the the really loud thumping and bumping music. Never heard of it, but it does sound like. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure yeah. a lot of people who listen will know about about yeah. Ultra Music Festival. So I remember we were sitting in this basement of the student agencies, going over Excel sheets and contracts <laughs> for, for like boxes and, and like sofa beds, and me and him every 20 minutes are looking at the ECHL transaction sheet, right. trying to see you know where where's the job, where can we get a job here. Meanwhile, we're listening to like you know the guy, a DJ named Hardwell. With their headphones on, you know, crushing at work, checking Excel sheets, checking scores of every single league, trying to find and trying to talk to our agents. Who, mm -hmm. and when you're not making a lot of money, an agent's not going to be calling you back right. every five minutes. Mm -hmm. One day goes by, two good days go by. Me and him are just on the ice trying to stay sharp, but it's not the same. It's not a practice. Three days go by, four days go, five days go by, and I'm like, okay, no time's running out. Finally, get a finally get a, a call from two opposing teams: the Idaho Steelheads and the Ontario Rain were the two teams who called me. And they happened to be playing each other that weekend. <laughs> Again, ironically. <laughs> Again, ironically. Uh, yeah. And my agent was like, it's up to you which one you want to go to. They're both great opportunities. And I'm just like, I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. So I, cho I chose Ontario. For why? I, I just don't. I, I just thought that it was a better chance of me starting because I heard rumblings. Because not only do you have to watch the ECHL right. transaction list, you got to watch the NHL list mm -hmm. and the AHL list because it's just a trickle down. Yeah, to see to, to whom you're who's who's coming up, who's yeah. coming down because it's all it's a domino. And who are you battling against? And yeah, who's going to be there? And if it's yeah. and if it's a draft pick, then you might as well not even go because they're not going to give you the time of day. So now right. you have to find a team with an undrafted goalie. Who's hopefully unaffiliated? Who who would just play the best player? And in pro hockey, it's a lot of it's based on who has a contract and who's drafted. So, mm -hmm. so the, the the statistics weren't good to say the least. But I I agreed to go to this team in Ontario, which I thought was in Canada, but it actually ended up being in California. Yeah. 
I had a 130-page thesis to, to write that I hadn't started on. I still had two classes. It was like, uh, I think I went out around, I can't. I think it might have been March 5th, March 10th, we could probably look. Was the first Ontario game played? Uh, Ontario? Oh, it doesn't even it say. Doesn't doesn't, say. Doesn't just say. So you say you, it just says you only played four. Yeah, I think. yeah. so I, I went out there on spring break. I, I went to the library. I grabbed like 100 books. I didn't even have my topic yet. And I was hoping just to mold these books into a 120-page <laughs> paper that would yeah. make sense to a, a Princeton professor who yeah. has like seven degrees. But... <laughs> Uh, we got it done somehow. Um, managed to play some decent hockey in Ontario. Uh, they sent yeah. JF Barube down. It was the LA Kings affiliate. Yeah, yeah he's so. uh, he's been playing. He's been called up. He's with the Islanders. Yeah, yeah exactly. I actually just saw him today. Well, skating, really? skating up in Boisbriand. Yeah, so oh. uh, we we had the same goalie coach, and uh, I saw him today. And it was funny. It was the first time I seen him since, since Ontario. Oh it was it was kind of funny seeing him there. And you guys like kind of shaking their your heads like, yeah, we made it like, somehow. Like we went from there to here. It's, yeah. like, it's pretty crazy, but. Because um, people like, mostly don't realize like that uh, it, when you play in the East Coast, they call it easy come hard leave. Yeah. I mean that's the league where dreams die. It's yeah. like stories like yours are very rare to come by. Oh yeah, and people people been, like getting called up and making it to the NHL from the East Coast is just such a rare thing. Yeah. Like now we're talking about it, it's like ah oh, so cool it happened, but statistically just mm. so. So rare for goalies. It's, there's a better chance of the goalie, but if you're yeah, a forward, okay. I mean, you look at a guy like Antoine Roussel. It's like that yeah. guy like grinded his way up Absolutely. from the coast. If you're an undrafted player, just grinding your way going. Was he was he drafted? I don't think so. I don't think he was drafted. I don't think so. Like you have to have. He played his junior in Quebec yeah. and went undrafted. If I if I'm correct, yeah. and, and Alex Burrows. The... Yeah. Like those two examples are yeah. a lot crazier than than mine because goalies it's like well goalie gets hurt then you get moved up mm-hmm. but when you're a forward you you got to put up points or you got to fight. So, right. so I was about ready to go home when when JF came back. I wasn't playing anymore because he was it was a Kings affiliate team. Mm-hmm. So the Kings were going to play him, obviously. So I, I knew that, and I was like, "Well, I'm not going to sit here and back up. I'm going to go back to college, finish my paper." And, yeah, which um, you did, which I did. But um, I remember I, I got I was, I was about to leave the next day, and I got a call from the Houston Arrows, and somebody got hurt in Minnesota's organization. So next and day, I wound up, yeah, next day upgraded to the AHL. And which uh, in where you did pretty good. You, yep. you're, you just called up in the AHL, mm-hmm. five games and two point thirty nine uh, goals against. Just and it's pretty high uh, level hockey yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, you, first you don't know if you can play in the coast, right? You yeah. know, from college to coast, you're like because like, I watched a couple games with the Trenton Titans. Which is right next to Princeton. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I can play at this level. And then you keep at, you keep asking yourself that question. Like you never really know. You can think I? you can, but like, how do you really know? Yeah. So I was like, oh, East Coast. I can. Well, let's see. Oh, I can play here. AHL. Oh, I don't know about the AHL. I'm not sure if I can play here. And then five gets like two more goalies get hurt in Minnesota's organization. Well, I guess I can play here. <laughs> and then there's some. And then then um. Was it? Then Backstrom got hurt, and then I'm playing in the Calder Cup playoffs, and I'm just like, well, two months ago I didn't have a, a six four weeks ago I didn't have a yeah, job. That's how fast. And then you know May 5th, sign a contract with the Canadians, finish your thesis, come back to college with a week to go, and you just sit down like you're like 20 cities, like 50 plane flights, and you sit down and you're just like, I remember sitting on my couch, just looking at the wall, like what just happened? Yeah, what just happened? Oh my god! And when did you actually? Because there was like uh, this a very brief period of time where you thought or tried to work in finance. Yeah. Was it, how how long did it last? Uh, it was it was more of I mean people. It's funny what you say in in the media and how people kind of run with it. Yeah. I was 
Because um, you've been portrayed as a uh, financial whiz. It sounds, yeah, I'm not a financial whiz by any me- means. I've, I've, as blocks. I mentioned earlier, I failed statistics, so I'm not sure which, which yeah. company would hire me. But um, Princeton is always pushing, it's pushed on you heavily, the, the finance route, the, the Wall Street, uh, you know, all that stuff, the investment banking, the... I could go on and on and on. So I, I, I went. I had a, uh, a contact on Wall Street, and at the end of my junior year, usually the way it works is you get an internship your junior summer. Mm-hmm. You work as a slave for for the summer, not making any money. Mm-hmm. You know, working fifteen hour days, sleeping under your cubicle, and if they like you, they offer you a job when you graduate. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to get that internship so that I could get a job when I graduated my senior year. The next year, right? So I interviewed at this one place, and I did the whole. It was funny because we lost to Yale, and then we drive back from Connecticut to Princeton. I got long. I got stupid long hair, like because I was just like a college. I was yeah, just a college in college trying to be a college beauty. So I got this stupid long red hair. I got this terrible suit on. Uh, I'm like the train ride is like an hour from Princeton to New York City. I got this interview the next morning. I get like two hours of sleep. I throw like ten pounds of gel in my hair, like trying to like make it look presentable or whatever. I, I bring the gel with me because I know it's gonna come up. I know I know it's gonna come apart. And I'm, I'm wearing a light blue shirt. Fucking huge, huge mistake. And um, I'm, I get to the platform and I'm looking at the train platform and there's like five thousand people there and it's like five fifty in the morning and I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Is this the train for New York? And I ask the person next to me, like, is this the train for New York? And the guy just looks at me and goes, no. And then look the other way, like <laughs> sarcastically, and I'm like, "Oh my god, this is this is this is the rat race." And so, yeah. I like the train lines up perfectly with me, so that the door opens, so I can get a spot. I'm like, "Nice, all right, whatever." And then there's like a night, there's like an old lady next to me. And I'm like, "All right, yeah, you can go." And then like five guys behind her just like steamroller and they push her into the train and everyone is just funneled into this thing like sardines. And before you know it, I don't even have a pole to ha- hold on to, and I'm and I'm arm to arm, face to face for an hour and 10 minutes on a train, which obviously the air condition broke on great <laughs> yeah. light blue shirt. Yeah. Middle of middle of spring in Perfect. New Jersey heading in the, yeah, and you're in the tunnels of Penn station. Yeah. So you get off the train, you walk into this thing. There's, there's homeless people who are just sleeping like on next to the stairs. I'm not sure if people who listen who, who walked up the stairs of Penn station next to Madison square garden. There's like probably like 60 stairs. There's just people just sprawled out, and I was like, "Is this guy alive? Like, should I stop and like check his pulse? Like, what is, what is going on here? Everyone's just stepping over him." And then, then you walk out there and you see the New York streets for like I've been to New York before, but now I'm wearing a suit, so I think think this is different. Like, this is for fun. This is business. <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, I'm on like Fifth and like whatever street." I'm like, yeah. oh, I, I gotta go find the street and like hail a taxi. The taxi doesn't take credit card. This is going great. <laughs> find the building shirt is absolutely it's, so a, it's a navy blue shirt now it's a navy blue shirt now and this suit is even like it's i probably smell so bad I, i've just been sweating on this train for an hour and a half i go back in the shower my hair is a freaking mess i look like carrot top the comedian like, I'm, yeah. like, I'm like i'm gonna get laughed out of this interview and i go up there and i meet meet my contact and his name's jason seidel and i'm still still pretty good friends with him and um, he's a mass collector and that's how i how i kind of got in, in contact with him I go in there meet with like four or five different people just get absolutely slaughtered with questions like i'm a political science major and they're yeah. asking me about you know supply side shocks to freon and fridges and i'm just like 
Well, I went to a liberal arts school, which helps me deal with complex problems like this, like, like just absolute garbage yeah. out of my mouth, and they can see right through me. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. Like, I'm, I, should, I was like, I should just probably leave right now. <laughs> kind of, kind of mentality. I'm not your guy. And I went to go talk to Jason, and he was like, If I were you, I'd just, I would just chase hockey. This isn't going anywhere. You can get a job here. And I was, and at that moment, I took his advice, and I was like. All right, hockey it is. Let's go. It's not that I wasn't fully invested in hockey at that time. I was just doing what I thought like Princeton kids should do because yeah. it's pushed on you so much. Kids talk like, "Oh, I got Domin Rose, right. or I got, I got Goldman Sachs, I got mm-hmm. Citibank, I got the." Mm-hmm. Just, you get an internship, you're cool. Yeah. So you got caught up into this, and then, but well, yeah, you like, it you, turns you, out that guy know, was the yeah. as right as he could. Right? I still talk to him. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, he's, he's yeah. He's, <laughs> now he's like, I was the guy who told him he should push hockey. I think they quoted him in an article in the New York Times actually, and he got he got some FaceTime. But yeah, I'm sure I'll, I'll send him the link to this. He'll laugh because uh, so remember he'll probably laugh at what my hair looked like. <laughs> I'm gonna. It's so much to cover, and yeah. we're just gonna fast forward no, you because you uh, you you fast forward to yeah. Canadians offering you a, a, a deal and all. I was. I was chatting with uh, Tommy, producer Tom, yeah. with this uh, about this, and and um, we were just uh, we were like, "What is it like, like on the human side, if you want, uh, mm. psychologically, getting want, like being wanted and signed with us from people who merely months ago ignored you and didn't give a, a crap about you? I mean, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And just all of a sudden, it's just, all the business side of it, like." On the human, are you like, nah, man, fuck, fuck everyone, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just like, what? How's that? How did you deal with that? And is that something you go through? Or not? yeah, it was, it was more of just like asking people who've been through it, like, what's it like, and and listening to people who played, and, and luckily we were had to have a couple Princeton pros who played, like Daryl Powell, um, right. Mike, uh, Mike Moore, Kevin Westgarth, George Peros, yeah, uh, Jeff Halpern. And we have a great network, and they come back everything every year at reunions. Where I see Tommy every yeah. year at reunions, and you always know, talk hockey, and then so you get to kind of know what pro hockey's like. And just to get a call, it's not so much, a, and that's not so much of like, oh, that team ignored me. Then it's it's you're grateful that you got a call. And right. I think I think your more question is your is like, do you have a chip on your shoulder? Right. Right? Like like all Are these guys, want, yeah. Like, like I was I was told I was gonna get drafted in the seventh round when I was a senior a junior in high school, and I thought I was pretty cool. I was gonna get drafted mm-hmm. and. That never came. That's not how it turns. It gave you a little chip on the shoulder, but um, no, I I remember when I got the call from Montreal that they were just interested. I was on a bus from Houston and I was in the the bathroom on a sleeper bus and I got the call from my agent. I was like, okay, this is getting serious. Yeah, this is getting this is this is getting really serious. Show up, you show up. You did did pretty good in Hamilton your first year. Yep, and then you were signed to a two year contract. Two way then one way for this year and this upcoming year. Yeah, and then show so you show up to the camp. Uh, Canadians happens to have one of the best goalies in in the world. Blah, blah. He gets injured. Yeah, <laughs> again hockey karma coming yeah. back around, and you just happen happen to be there, and no one knows who you are yeah. in, in Montreal, but you just happen to be at the right place at the right time. And I mean, uh, Canadians went off this hot start, nine wins, and in, in the beginning, yeah. and you. Uh, you got the backup job right out of the the training camp, yep. pushing Tukarski down to the HL. When you get into that locker room and Tukar- guys don't know you, you're a new guy. You're the new guy in town, and Tukarski has friends in the room. They've been guys with whom he played in the HL, mm-hmm. and you're this new guy coming up and pushing their friend down. How did yep. you come in the room? Do you yeah. feel kind? Of, you're kind of taking someone's place. How is? Um, yeah, it, it's it's hard. Uh, it's hard because uh, I, I consider Dustin a good friend. Dustin was always very very nice to me because mm-hmm. we I was in the East Coast while he was in the A, and 
he was always very, very nice to me. And it's just one of the, the, the crappy parts of the job. But, mm-hmm. you know, it is a business because it's either at the end of the day, it's either you or him. And, and, and that's the way it was. But I also felt that too, kind of that there's, it's only natural that guys develop connections with players. And when you see a guy go, some guys are more sad. And I, and I knew that. So, I mean, I was also a rookie. My first three years in pro hockey, I was a rookie every single year. So uh, even four years. That's all you know. know. Yeah. So four years, I was a rookie, and it's tough when you're 25 and you got a you know a 21 year old or a 22 year old telling you to pick up pucks. It's kind of like, you know, this isn't my first time playing mm-hmm. hockey. You know, I've been a senior on a team. Like I've I've played a long time, but it's it's hard in that sense. But you also learn that I've been in so many different locker rooms right. in such a short period of time. I learned the best way to acclimate is just to keep your mouth shut. You know, do what you got to do. Don't say too much. Do what you got to do. Get on early. Stay on late. Don't be late. Simple stuff. Yeah. Just don't be a jerk. When, uh, when, yeah, when uh, uh, price was went down and you got kind of thrown into the starter role, I mean, you just that's what it was. Was it harder? Because the load is kind of heavy now because games every two, like three games in the highest level, highest yeah. level of hockey every every week, mm-hmm. and the practice now. Was it harder mentally or physically playing being? All of a sudden, being a starter, everything was a thousand times harder. Everything was because in the AHL, like you said you have a three-on-three. You kind of get in a game mode. You're playing three games this weekend, and then you have five days off. Decompress, you know, get your therapy, get away from the rink a little bit, attack the game again next weekend. <coughs> Now mm-hmm. you may you find out you make the team. Holy smokes! I was just getting overplayed my first preseason game. That was pretty cool. Like I never played a preseason game right. before. Then I didn't get the chance. Mm-hmm. And then this year, I was I was lucky to get two. I was like, "Whoa, that was cool!" Mm-hmm. You know, now you're on the team. You're playing October 16th against the Ottawa Senators. All right, okay, it's their opening night. All right, okay, we can handle it. Let's do it. We get that done. We go uh, to the West. Then Price gets hurt. I play against Calgary. You know, he plays against Vancouver. I play against Calgary. I don't know that he's hurt. And then, hey, Connolly may have to play a little bit longer. Price, he's a little bit banged up. I'm like, all right, how much is a little bit longer? <laughs> I remember I was at the keg with my roommate who happened to run the moving storage agency with me in Calgary. And I'm sitting there, and, and this game is, I can't, I can't begin to describe you how ironic and how, and, yeah. and how much karma is in this game. But I'm sitting with my, his name's Rob Klebaum. I'm sitting with Rob, the guy who was my co-manager in moving storage. We're having a glass of wine at the keg, like after the Calgary game. Like, hey, like, congrats on your second win. I'm like, yeah, this is crazy. And then Steph Waite walks up. And he just mm-hmm. happens to see me. He's like, good game, like Kondo. Um, you're playing against Winnipeg at home. I'm like, that's the next game. And he's like, yeah, Price. He's a little bit banged up. I'm like, oh boy. So I spit that glass of wine <laughs> yeah. out, and I drink the water, and I go to bed. And I'm like, oh, and I'm like, okay, here we go. First game with the Bell Center. That's a whole different animal. The Bell Center is just the craziest building in the NHL. Like, I'm not sure if you've ever been on the ice level, but looking up when there's fans, it's just. It's it's unbelievable. It's yeah. like like the motions through your body are crazy. And so that first week, I think we played four games at home. It was the Winnipeg, it was the Bruins, it was the Islanders, and it was every other night. So you were there. I was, and I was playing. I was playing, and we ended up. We fortunately we won them all. We yeah. won one with four and zero in that thing. And good. it was you know wake up grind game day off. Wake up grind game day off. Four We, days in a row. That was intense. Five, yeah. When you. Um, When you're witness, you you didn't get to see Carey a lot because he got mm-hmm. he went down early in the season. But witnessing and being on the side of Carey Price yep. every every day, why and how from your goalie perspective, yep. why is he one of the best in the world? What what makes him one of the best in the world? I think it's it's two things. It's one is that 
um, mentally, when it comes to analyzing the game, he understands forwards better than most goalies do. Because if you watch him skate with just his gloves and skates, like mm-hmm. on that, on like when TSN showing him yeah, skating yeah. around, you'd be a pretty good defenseman. He's got great hands. He shot on me before, and he's got a really hard shot. So, and when he and, he, and when you listen to him talk about sticks and curves and stuff like that and lies, that's something that goal like lies on sticks, like the angle of the blade. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sorry, some people don't know. Yeah. Um, the way he talks about it, like he talks about specific specific guys' curves. He's like, "Oh, Crosby's curve. Oh, this guy's curve." Like I'm starting to pick up like guys' curves, what they like to use. But the way that he can read a curve from a shot is almost that like he can predict where guys are shooting far better than any other goalie can. So you have oh, that wow. aspect combined with the fact of his absolute, you know, just pure understanding of biomechanics of goaltending, using his body, using his size, his patience. Uh, his and at, when he has to, his power. Like he's a big guy. Yeah, he's a big guy. People don't realize like, six three or something. He's six three, but it's not even that. It's just the strength. It's just the right. raw natural strength that he has that it can from the legs that and... can bail him. His legs are huge that it can just bail him out whenever. Right. It's seldom that it's seldom times that he needs bailing out, but when he has to put that desperation save button, he's probably probably one of the strongest guys in the league at that. So uh. you couple those two things of just of being able to read like to read a blade. And right. to, and to so that guy's doing his homework. I mean, yeah, he's, yeah, he's I mean, really. I'm, I'm learning. You have to. I'm yeah. learning. You have to. And it's easy to learn guys on your team tendencies, but it's the stuff. It's watching guys. You know, it's watching as much hockey as you can. It's knowing where Kessel likes to shoot when he's coming down the wing. It's knowing. It's knowing. Obviously, he likes his uh, the opposite lower side. He likes. He likes the, about the eight inches off the ice, yeah. low low blocker. But I guess when we play Pittsburgh this year, he's going to shoot one right by my left ear. But I probably shouldn't talk about where guys like to shoot. Yeah. But I mean, the best guys know. But the best guys can also read. They can they, re- they can read deception on stick. They're not even looking at the blade. They're looking at their blades of their skates. They're looking at their wrists and they're looking at their balance. So it's like carry. Is so good at absorbing all that, and mm. then with his natural raw power, is just is just there. Athleticism and information being pro- processed yeah. at high level. Just and not to mention, he's one of the most underrated puck handlers in the league. Every, really? Everyone always talks about. I mean, my, well, obviously Mike Smith's unbelievable handling yeah. puck. Like Martin Brodeur was unbelievable handling puck. But you watch Carey. He's really good. The different. A lot, there was a big difference. There was a, there was a big adjustment period for our defenseman when I was playing because when I would go back there, I wouldn't be able to sauce it over a guy's stick at the other blue line or to make a blind backhand pass off the glass right, right on PK's stick right out of the zone. Yeah, people don't realize how much how much that helps the team in terms of zone time. Right, changing the D, pushing the puck up the ice because when the puck is on your end. It's in there, and, yeah. and people don't realize how good carry is at that. Actual third defender and yeah. just moving the puck up. That's that's an, that's real interesting. Yeah. Um, when you you made the the team and and um, when you make the Canadians, there's like a, this the Canadians effect. All of a sudden, you're famous. Mm-hmm. People know you. Yep. They didn't know you yesterday, and they know you now. Yeah, and um, that's kind of uh, and and I don't know if Tom ever told you that story, but he he, he they, one night he brought you out. He He took you out to dinner, and yeah. he called for uh, to have a reservation. Yep. And the lady said, "I'm sorry, we're full. We're full." And he said, "Huh, I'm gonna try this." <laughs> he went on. He said, "Yeah, well, maybe you can help me with this. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to to bring uh, my my friend a goaltender of the Canadian of the Canadians." And she said. Right away, we have a table for you at seven, sir. I don't think he told me that one. I, or maybe he didn't he, tell me he did it. <laughs> I think he actually did. He, he was yeah. like trying out for fun. Like, is yeah. this an actual thing? Is this, yeah. this such a thing? Mm. And obviously, there is. And she was like, "We have a yep. table for you at seven, sir, for two. Yeah. And um, I mean, 
what's that change in your life from who you are for you who you were like two years ago as a, as a now? Yeah, um, people recognize you in the It's it, like it's, I guess every, I keep on saying everything's twofold, but I guess it's twofold in this sense. It's that I'm I'm the same person. Like I like you know I don't I barely know you, but I want to mm-hmm. come do a podcast with you. I like talking to people. I like meeting people. Yeah, I'm the same guy in the street when I see someone like pictures, autographs, whatever, let's do it. Like whatever you guys need, whatever I can do to put a smile on your face and leave you feeling better about this mm-hmm. discussion. That's right. I'm about that. But it's also a double side in the fact that too that, you know, there are people in this world who are going to take advantage, who are going to try to exploit, who are going to try to portray you in the light and try to make a story out of you. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's and I understand that side too. That's 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 part of the gig. But try to make a financial whiz out of you. Yeah, so yeah. So it's it's hard to be yourself knowing that you have to censor yourself a lot too yeah. when you're talking to people. Right. When you're in the rink, you're in this robot media mode. It's different than being in this room with hockey jerseys and, you know. It's and, almost and, as if there's yeah. there's you, this mic, and there's your character. Yeah. yeah. Your character is a guy playing mm-hmm. goaltender for the games, but you, it's yeah. kind of to make the difference with, between yeah. those two. It's kind of a, yeah. As much as I would like to give the reporters, you know, my my true honest opinions or anything like that or, or, or to, to open up as much as I can, Um, you know, that's obviously not going to be reciprocated in the same way. It's not going to come back to you with the same intention that you gave them. Mm-hmm. It's not the good intention. Like, oh, okay, I'll help you out with the article. Sometimes it's, you know, things get misconstrued, angles get played, stories get made, and it's tough when there's only one major sports town. No offense to the yeah. impact or the Alouettes. No, but I know yeah, what you mean, yeah. yeah. When, when uh, <laughs> in the girls' department, girls coming up to you, yep. they know um those probably maybe maybe not I don't, I'm yeah. just but maybe girls who wouldn't have just passed right by you just yeah. a year ago now they want to say they want to tell people they had they they slept with the, the goaltender from the Canadians oh absolutely what, absolutely what do you do when girls um, come to you and go I, I was fortunate in the sense that I got to go to college and I got to have the college experience and I got to, to the move, fame honestly. the fame factor and all well, yeah, the fame in factor college, in college, college yeah let me tell you one thing being a hockey player <laughs> at Princeton and you were not the coolest guy on campus I remember I, I was a freshman <laughs> and I and I because I'm like I, I grew up in Boston so it's like everyone was BUBC those guys right. I went to those parties those guys are cool like girls like those guys so I thought I was a cool kid I'm going to go to college first night I was going out there and uh, there was a girl and I was like hey I don't know hi I'm like nice to meet you yeah I'm on the hockey team yeah whatever she's like yeah I'm so and so I'm on the squash team we just won a national championship and I'm a financial engineer and I'm like who are you uh, all right well this has no pull whatsoever so you know the celebrity was not a factor in right. college for for hockey no I mean if you're a, if you're a potential Princeton student hockey player please still go but but <laughs> I, I wasn't the big man on campus I wasn't the affluent guy I wasn't right. like I wasn't wearing the new stuff, so <laughs> I, I I got I got that good dose there. But you learn from that. For, yeah, I learned from that. And for for now, when I when I meet people, if I, I got like I'm single now, but when I'm when I meet someone, it's almost I'm almost more attracted to them if they don't know what hockey is. Because mm-hmm. when I meet someone now and it's a girl and it's like, oh, you play for the Canadians, it's more or less just like, well, you don't really like me. You like you, the idea of me. Do you sometimes do you sometimes feel they fake they don't know you, but they actually do? Does that happen? Well, being a political science major and the son of a state trooper, like I'm pretty good at reading deception. Yeah. So I can right. I can tell when someone is trying to pull a fast one by me. Yeah, and yeah. No. There's certain questions you can ask to kind of get their true intentions. But right, right. I try. I, I mean, it's all about the situation you put yourself in. If you're going to the club, if you're going out at Saturday night, and you're mm-hmm. going to these, you know, these on, thought, on yeah. the main. Sh- yeah, if you're, going, if you're going, I don't want to name any club, but right. if you're going to these things, you're just putting yourself in a bad out situation. There. Me, I prefer. I mean, you have to let loose. You have to go. Go, go 
be social at some point. I like to go to the more low key spots where it's was quieter. Where there's there's more. I don't know. What you call them business professionals. Right. I don't know more people who are just in control, and it's not just about so the show off kind of side. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm 26 now. I, I I feel like I'm I feel like I'm 40, but yeah, <laughs> it's like I've, I've been to college. I've been I've been, I did, been through I, that I did stuff. the crazy drinking yeah, in yeah, college, yeah. and now it's more like I would rather have a Sunday morning where I don't sleep yeah. till 4 p.m. Absolutely. Fast forward to um, everything goes well for the Canadians past yep. season, like uh, up until December, and then mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes yeah. it happens because mm-hmm. in every field, or whatever kinds of kind of shit hits the fan in a way. Be it start team starts losing and kind of snowball. Uh, sorry, yeah. start start snowballing and and, uh, and uh, it, it just and the team tried to recover from that and and it just was really hard and all and. Um, and I mean, from like now we have a step back. What what went wrong? What what happened? Like what went wrong? Uh, tough we, to yeah, say. Um, I think the first. Uh, I think it started after the father's trip. We lost in a shootout to Pittsburgh. We went three two, and puck got tipped by Horn. I think it was Hornquist. Like shot a puck and it went off like Emmy's shoulder, and it just just deflected it just a little bit. And we lose in a shootout. Yeah, just that's that's luck. one. Just a bad luck. We go to Carolina. We lose three two. We're like, all right, we just two, lost two one goal games. Okay, let um, me play like Colorado or something like that. And then I just was just terrible. I just, we just one of those nights where just doesn't go puck, puck looks like a BB. Like there's nothing, nothing's going right. Yeah. Um, get yanked from that game. A couple mm. games go by. Um, ticker's back up. Ticker starts playing well. Um, still losing that game. <clears throat> it's almost like the league is a race to the third goal. Whoever gets the third goals, mm-hmm. I don't know. Statistically, there's probably a number out there. They're probably going to win. There's, there's it might be like sixty percent of the time they're going to yeah. win. It's a race to three. So we were start we were starting losing the, the three two games, and then there'd be the games where it would be, you know, playing great, and we'd lose a two one. Right. Yeah. We never really lost the, the, the five six or yeah. the six five. It was like we were it's always tight. we were always there. Everything was just so tight, and that's just yeah. the way the league is. But yeah. I felt like our team more than any was just three two. Four three two one. How does two, that three two overtime? How does three, that translate to a locker room of professional hockey players being feeling the yeah. game slipping out of their hands every every game? It was it was it was frustrating, and for me, like I didn't I didn't really know I I, I didn't think I had to I have I, I'm a I was the filling goalie yeah for carry so I I knew what I had to do I had to shut up I had to stop the puck I had to work yeah I was doing that. Uh, I was trying to help people as much as I can, but then again, I'm I'm not the guy that people really wanted to hear. Nor I didn't think I had the role for that, but I just wanted to 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 lead by my play is what I was was trying to do. And to, to in my eyes, I thought I thought I was doing a decent job at that. It was just Many for some reason I, I, I there could have been a bunch of factors putting on top of it. We had a couple of key injuries, a couple of guys going down. Um, do bringing um, uh, Weber, Shea Weber, and Andrew yeah. Shaw in the mix. Yeah. You think because management is thinking, yeah. no, there's no way we're going to let this happen again. Yeah. Bringing do, do those kind of guys change and maybe could prevent that from happening again? Do you think it's yeah. it's, it's part of the equation? Yeah, well, well, I think saying that that they can means that the people that were here couldn't, and, right? But, but I, I'm not saying that, right? I, I know. I'm not saying I that. I, yeah. I know what you mean. Um, not trying to set yeah, you yeah, up. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. No, I know what you're saying. I just, I just like, like I'm, like, I'm. You always be careful with your words. Yeah, I know people, what you're... people could run with that. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, PK and the guys who left brought unbelievable things to the team. 
you know, they have their own special special characteristics, set of skills and skills. And that being said, so do so do Shay, so do so do Andrew and, right. and and Bobby Farnham and guys of that like like maybe maybe I mean I'm not the guy who makes the who makes the the moves. On, right. I'm not paid for for that no. for roster spots, but I think these guys give us a, a level of physicality that maybe we were 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 missing. How would you? How would you describe? Because we're we're like at here to find. We're not in the room. How would you describe uh, Michel Tagnier's style of coaching? What is what's his style of coaching? Uh, his style of coaching. I mean, I'm not sure if I'm really the guy to ask because I'm 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 on the ice the whole game and I miss so much stuff that happens on the bench. <laughs> right. From like just like practice standpoint, like I could talk about like how, how the practices are great. Like he knows when the guys to give the guys a rest. He knows how to be fair. He knows when to, to light a fire. Speech, um, well, the speeches, and speech-wise, yeah, I, I, know, I, I mean, I, different coaches have different styles of coaching, and um, you know, when he's coached as long as he has in the NHL, I think he's doing something right. So, who, who who's this rookie goalie yeah, yeah, trying yeah, to question his goal, coaching style? Right. I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm just, yeah. trying, not as in is he good or yeah, bad, or yeah. what's his style? Is he more on the emotional side of it, more in the? Yeah. Uh, is he more of a cerebral kind of attack? Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I think he's a mixture of both. I mean, when you watch a game, you can see him. He gets a fire underneath him. And, you know, he's a very X's and O guy. And he brings in a guy, uh, you know, he's a new assistant coach this year. He, he knows he knows what this team needs and he knows the direction it's going. And then I think it's only positive. Yeah. yeah. When the season ends, uh, end, uh, end, ended, yeah. you um, you had kind of this second thing of the World Championship. Yep. They came calling for you, mm-hmm. and the, and did you ever think you would get that call? Did you ever like, oh man, I might be the guy? Did you ever think of it before they actually called you? Um, I got I got rumblings maybe when when this when we were eliminated from, eliminated from the playoffs. Yeah. Um, my agent kind of told me like, hey, heads up, this could be a possibility. Would you want to go and? Um, you know, I'm not sure what game we were at, but I think we were probably around like game like 45 or something like that, and ended up playing 55 games plus preseason. So yeah. that's a lot of hockey. It's the most hockey I played, and but at the same time, I never thought I had to ever get to wear the, the red, white, and blue from from my country. And I, awesome. I never had the chance growing up to do it. So I don't care if I had a broken leg, I was going to Russia. Whether if I got invited, I was going. So um, I was I, physically, I was beaten down tired but i still had enough juice when i saw that jersey to go out there and go to russia and represent the country what what are the because uh, we it's always tough for the because the, the playoffs are still going on so mm. some players are still in the nhl it's yeah. tough for us to figure out the guys going over there what's yeah. there is do they take it seriously is this for them a vacation with yeah. the kids and the what what's you know what i mean like do people the guys going over there are they taking it seriously and want to win or it's just more kind of a Early vacation type of I, I just I, I just couldn't figure. I mean I can't really I mean the the tournament has a certain reputation amongst people I guess you could say. Right. Um, but for me I was you know I never know when I'm going to get a chance again to wear that jersey and 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 adding to that point too is that you have you know I met so many different people in hockey that I'd never met before so many different American players so many different American connections that was so important right. and obviously you want to make a great impression so I mean that was a hundred percent business for me. Who uh, um, who impressed you in the tournaments that you maybe didn't even didn't know before the tournament? Uh, the Patrick Laney from Finland. Yeah. I had no idea who he was, and I played against him twice. Played against him twice. Is he the real deal? He's good. He's young and he's good. I keep forgetting my age. That's the problem. Is that I still feel like I'm like a yeah. like I'm an 18 year old because I don't I don't talk and I just I, just, I keep to myself. But I I keep forgetting that I'm 26 and I'm eight years older than this yeah. kid. So. 
He's a good yeah. player. Austin Matthews, never seen him play. A lot of people haven't seen him play either because he's been in, in, in Europe, in yes. Switzerland. Yeah. So watching him was was special. He's yeah. going to be a great player. What's your take on the Phenom? On who? On, I mean, he's oh. kind of this... Oh, this, the Phenom. Oh, yeah, sorry. the Phenom. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's my fault. That's my fault. Uh, that's I should, on me. I, that's should on me. That. I, should, I should know that. Um, I should have the subtitles well, on he, In my eyes, I just like look at him, looking at him physically, Like I remember when I was his age, when I was 18, 19, I was, I was still growing. I was still... I, haven't, I didn't even start lifting yet. I, like, like, that was my first year in college when I was 19. Yeah. It was when I first started like, Olympic lifting and like, getting strong and learning about my diet. And then I look at Austin, it was just like, this kid's already jacked. This kid's already six foot two. This kid's skating past grown men. This kid's um, hands are are better than most people's. And he's 18. That's kind of... Imagine when he starts, you know, when he finally stops growing or when when his, you know, his, his... you know, his so fully matured. He's going to be an absolute freak of nature. You had a, you had this kid also. Kyle Connor was in your team. Kyle Connor, Just, Hobie Baker, runner up. Yeah, uh, Winnipeg Jet. He was, he was. You know, I give him a lot of credit. He had a really bad shoulder from the season. Right. He had a separated shoulder that he was. I, I, I'm not sure if he hurt it in Finland or if he if it was a separated shoulder, but. Um, for him to go out on that ice with with a bum wing like that, you know, it's tough. It's, it's tough. tough, but it just shows you that. I mean, especially when he's going to his pro career, wants to be that's, there. That's what that. I mean, that's a good example of what that tournament means to some people. Right, yeah. that's cool. When when the, the well, you you guys had a finished fourth, maybe yeah. it's a bit uh, bummed out by that. But then the summer summer begins, actual summer. Yeah. What's the timeline? What what's do you go on vacation for? How long? Then when yeah. do you start tra- back? Go back to training. How does this actually work? For yeah, you? so season end, uh, NHL season ends uh, April 9th. Yeah, uh, two okay. weeks. Correct. Russia, two weeks in Russia for a month. Um, Princeton reunions is the same time every year, and that's like May 29th, June 1st. And you would miss that. And I made that. I've never missed one. I've never missed one. And I made that one by like two days. I was so jet lagged. I was hurting. Like my body was like falling apart. Like, were people like psyched to see you? Like, man, we like, were people aware? Like, man, you've had a fucking crazy it was, year. It's kind of funny because at, at Princeton, at Princeton rink, they like, in every rink that I've been to, they always put the jerseys of the guys who played in the NHL up. So in my high school, like, there was always, you always look up, like, Wow, it'd be really cool to have my jersey yeah. up there. And when you're playing at Princeton and it's it's 11 p.m. on a Tuesday night, and you got a paper due, and you're looking at like George Perils holding the cup in the Princeton wall, you're like, wow, it'd be really cool to have my photo up there. And uh, the first thing I did when I went to Princeton is I went to my photo and I was like, whoa, this is this, is this actually happened. Like, how did this happen? I'm that this guy is, now. This is this is crazy. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I still don't believe it. I don't believe it. Like, no matter what happens, you're still that guy, and you're gonna, yeah. always gonna be that guy. That's yeah, when I'm cool. when I'm fat and old, that when you're 80 <laughs> years old, I'm gonna be still out in front of that picture telling girls it's me. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, it was once me. You probably heard the news. Um, uh, I, I'm obviously kidding. Yeah. That um, you uh, this summer you probably got some text message at some point but when the big Subban trade happened yep. how did you find out uh, how did you, where were you how did you find I out? was driving to I was in Cape Cod I was sent what was I sending I was going to the post office in Hyannisport Massachusetts and I listened to 98.5 the sports hub in Boston right. even when I drive around Montreal because you know I don't really, I don't pay attention to, to media around here. So that's I, that's a good thing. But it's kind of funny sometimes. I'll be listening to the sports stuff in the morning, and I'll hear my name in the Boston radio, and I'm just like, I cannot get away from it. <laughs> sometimes you just cannot get away from. It. But I was driving to the you, post office, and it was that five minute span where it was like Stamkos, 
Weber, uh, Sam Coast, Weber, Sudan, yeah, and guys, yeah. what was one more? Um, was it Radulov? No, not Radulov. Uh, no, there was one. There was like three huge moves. UFAs or something. I yeah. don't know. I remember it was obviously Stam Coast and, yeah. and Sudan, but it was like five minutes. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Taylor Hall. Yeah, that's Taylor the one. Hall. Yeah. Taylor Hall got traded too. So it was like, I was like driving. I was like, Holy crap! Taylor <laughs> Hall got traded. Shit. Holy crap! Stam Coast signed again. What? Like, oh wow, that was crazy. Like, wasn't expecting that. It was just a shock because, you know, um, you know, obviously I, I sometimes read what's going on, but during the summer I'm kind of away from it. But, yeah. I mean, I was like, oh, Taylor Hall got traded. It like, doesn't really affect the Habs. Like, yeah. Oh, it's like Stan is doesn't really affect the Habs. And I'm just like kind of like dozing off while I'm driving or not paying attention to the radio when I hear PK Superman trade for Shea Weber. I'm like, whoa. That's a, what was your initial feel or reaction to that? Uh, like, it's, it's tough. Like, it's, uh, it's tough because, you know, it's a guy you know. It's a guy you know on a personal level, and, 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 and PK was always very nice to me, too. Like, I, I can't say anything bad about anyone in the locker room because they, they welcomed me, and, and, and PK was a guy who, who, who gave me a lot of good advice about living in the city and, and um, you know, and, what to, and how to be a good pro, how to be a good NHLer. So when you hear that, you're it's sad to see a guy go, but, I mean, it's not the first time I've had to deal with yeah. it, you know, being in the East Coast League, you pretty much have a new roster every day, you know, so it's like, you're, you're, it's, you get used to saying bye to people. Yeah, that same day or in the next, I think in the next, the next day or the, that very same day, the, the Habs signed Montoya mm-hmm. to a one, that kind of is more um, related to you directly. Yep. When you saw the news, did you uh, kind of, kind of, again, just like, not being handed anything easily over to yourself like what was your your reaction did you know they would sign a goalie yeah i, I kind of had the, the inclination uh especially after what happened last year with right. carrie and, and the speculation on that I and mean, right. at that point i obviously knew that carrie was 100 healthy but um you know every team is carrying three goalies and especially the backup position it's always it's it's never you know the backup there's no like the best backup in yeah. the game right like, like if he's the best backup he's going to be a starter yeah. so that position's always a, a battling ground and ever since i've been in playing competitive hockey there's been a guy behind you and a guy above you and it's going to be like that no matter what yeah. so i mean july 1st is is the day when you're going to find out who your new teammate is so um, I'm looking forward to, to meeting Alan. Did you, did you think they would actually when they signed him? Did you think did you think a trade was in the works or not? Absolutely not. You just thought, a trade uh, with a trade with me? Yeah, like uh, involving like oh they just signed another goalie. I guess I'm because your your yeah. contract is one way for this year. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I mean, you in your mind, your mind, your subconscious, like you can't help but think about and play the, the scenarios, the, the scenarios, yeah. and what's going on, but. The, the only thing I learned this year is that, I mean, not the only thing, the best thing I learned this year was that control what you can, control your attitude, it's hockey, you're playing, have fun, work hard, and at the end of the day, if you can look yourself in the mirror and say, I did everything I could to prepare myself for this moment, then what more can you do? Right. That's the best way, to, and that's, that's why I train so hard, is because that I get confidence in my training. I know I maximize my body to the most, my mind to the most. What more can I do? What? For the upcoming season, you yeah. have one professional season in the NHL under your belt. Yeah. What do you want to be better at physically and mentally? What have you learned? You're like that I didn't know a year ago. Yeah. Now I know what. What's what are your maybe not weaknesses, but what mm-hmm. do you want to get better at? Get better at. Um, we're gonna. Oh, jeez. I, I, I had a big list at the end of last year. <laughs> They gave me a big list to work on. Make sure uh, you win the. You win the. 
uh, waste your time just being. Uh, they, they give you a list like Steph yeah. Wade gives you a list. Oh no, he, 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 I mean it was. I mean, I'm not going to like list what Steph said, but it's just like make sure you're not too confident about next year. Uh, well, yeah, there's there's that. There's always this. I mean, it's not just the Habs, but it's with every team in the NHL. It's everyone who's always saying don't go, don't get too comfortable. Don't get too comfortable, and like sometimes you'd be walking around the rink and people be like, "Oh, comfy, huh? You're pretty comfy, huh?" And last year it was like, "Who would say that to you?" I can't name names. I can't, I can't be naming <laughs> names. I mean, people oh, from play, oh, players play oh, right. more or less like more just messing around with you. If like yeah. you're if you're a rookie, like getting in the first in the food line, like oh, right, getting comfortable, huh? Like, uh, stuff right. like that. But um, I mean, that's the one thing in in hockey at this level is that I learned is that you can never get comfortable. Yeah. As quickly as it as it came, it can be gone like that, and yeah. you have no idea when you're going to get your next opportunity. So for every day for me, and I'm so so blessed to have the perspective of playing in the past leagues and seeing what's happened. Uh, I, I I have that perspective, and it, and it's it's honestly the most um, what's not what's the word I'm looking for the most. Uh, I'm asking the non yeah. English speaker what the word is. I'm like, yeah, can I use like a rebound? Can I use a call? Can I use my call? Uh, oh geez. Uh, yeah. Lifeline. Uh, yeah, like, it's all, it's the biggest motivating thing out there right. is like, the perspective that I have. So right. that's, that's what I use. When you like, you just a year in your career now in the mm-hmm. NHL, but if you had to, 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 if you envision your, your career, the perfect career, yeah. how long do you think you're, yeah. how long do you see yourself playing in the NHL? What do you see yourself as a as a journeyman? As a yeah. uh, could you think you could be a starter in the NHL? Yeah. What what do you envision for yourself as a for your career in the NHL? Yeah, um, my vision for myself. You know, I told my trainer I wanted to play ten years in the NHL. This summer, I said I want to play ten years in the NHL. And he's like, "Well, you'll be thirty six. I'm like, "Let's do it. <laughs> why Why not? Let's do it." He's like, "You have two surgically repaired hips. I'm like, "Let's do it. Let's go. Come on." That's what you got. Um, that's why I told him. I mean, is it real? Is it is it realistic? Who knows? Is it practical? Who knows? But it's. I, I mean, I'm not a big goal yeah. guy. I'm not like, oh, I want to have a nine twenty save percentage. I want to have a two goals against average. Right. I want to get twenty wins. My goal is to surpass my effort from the day before. And that may sound cliche, but that's a hundred percent what I believe. I want to perfect my routine every day, and I want to do it harder than the day I did it before. And that's all. That's my goal. And if I know if I do that. Then I'll play ten years in the NHL. Has worked pretty well. Uh, for, <laughs> well, well, we, well, you got nine more to go, so yeah. <laughs> let's not count our chickens before they roost. Yeah. Um, what uh, last question? Yeah. What? What? Uh, do you already see something for yourself after hockey? What would be? Do you now that you've been in the NHL? Sometimes yeah. it changes options and yeah. and everything that. No, not. I mean, since this year, now you have the NHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're an NHL player, so it opens doors for you. Yeah. What? Because obviously, I don't think you're going to go back to finance, yeah. or is it's the feel I get. Yeah. What do you see yourself doing after hockey? I don't know. Prince, Princeton gave me uh, Princeton Belmont Hill gave me a network of people, and, and just mm-hmm. the, the, the network. I have so many networks of people that I've met, and so many great relationships with people that, to be honest, I don't really know what I want to do. I, I, I was working with a charity this summer with a guy named Shane Hudello of the United Heroes League, going down to Fort Bragg. Working with military families, and I was like, "This could be a job. This could be something that I could be. It could, it could, it could job be a job that I have meaning, could have value." And I think the the one thing I want to do in my life is just to to have a, a job that has an impact. Yeah. Um, I've learned that you know, money won't make you happy and make things easier, but I mean, 
you can buy it. I you mean, pay, you, you've paid Princeton. I, oh, so yeah, that's yeah. Well, well, once you get out of the red, things are kind of things are kind of nice. Once you have no more debt yeah. and you're looking around, um, then you start trying to help you know your family members' debt. And then once everyone's out, and everyone's kind of that was their first going, paycheck. What did you do with the uh, first first first, their paycheck, first big paycheck? Uh, signing bonus ninety two thousand after taxes. It's like fifty eight. So that takes care of Princeton. Uh, no, it did not no, take it care. Didn't. No, it didn't take care of Princeton. Jeez, no, I'm so did. innocent. Yeah, yeah. You, you guys got to get up here. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. So I never had a car growing. I never had a, a nice car growing up. I had a 1994 Chevy S10 <laughs> manual uh, with no radio. But it got stolen. It got stolen. It got stolen behind Northeastern when my brother had it. But um, it was like this. Two, it had two jump seats in the back that faced each other. It's like it was the most. Like, oh my god! It was. It was. It was smart by my dad because it took about. You know, ten seconds to get to sixty miles an hour or hundred kilometers. Like it wasn't yeah. fast. I, like I was a teenager, so it was smart. Like hurt. I couldn't get hurt. Well, yeah. I, mean, I mean, the thing was tiny, but it was like this little, me- like little mini truck, and it was it yeah. was a, it was a manual, so like it couldn't go anywhere. It had one drive wheel too. It wasn't all wheel drive. There was one drive wheel. Sounds like a terrible car. So <laughs> I mean, we weren't that. We didn't have a lot of money, so it got the job done. So when I got my sign bonus, I go to my dad. I'm getting I'm getting a car, and my dad's like, "Be careful." And my brother um, was was very lucky. He he worked in the oil industry, driving oil ships. So uh, he was in uh, marine oil transportation, which is, at the time was very lucrative. So when he graduated school, he was the same way. Like he was driving the same car I was. So was, oh, really? we were both so sick of this car that we both <laughs> wanted to buy brand new cars when we got it. So he bought like a like at the time it was a brand new Cadillac DTS that yeah. had like five thousand miles. Thing it was smooth. It was it was black. It was it was slick. And I was like, Zach was my brother. Zach was like, Mike, don't you buy a new car? It'd be the worst decision of your life. And I'm like, okay. So I went to BMW and I bought. And I was like, I'm gonna get a BMW, but it's gonna be four years old and it's gonna be a certified pre-owned. How about that? And my dad was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. all right, fine. I'm like, I'm like, you know what? Why am I still asking you? I can do whatever I yeah. want. And uh, so I bought a I bought a BMW and uh, it's a great it's a great car. The only mistake I made was it was a two door and my oh. whole life was traveling and sticking goalie pads. Right. So ninety percent of my drives I have a goalie pad right next no. to my face. So I guess if I get in a car wreck, knock on wood, I'm going to have a nice couple goalie pads. Cushion, yeah. Nice cushioning of uh, of goalie pads. Mike, it's about forty degrees in here. It's uh, hot. That's hot. That's um, hot in Canadian temperatures. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Celsius degrees. Celsius. Uh, you've been very nice for doing this. Thank you again. Yeah, anytime. Man. And the best of luck for this season. Thanks, appreciate it. Thank you, man. Merci encore à Mike Condon d'être passé au podcast. C'était une très chouette rencontre. Je lui souhaite que du succès. Je suis encore sa carrière, même à distance. Pour vous, si vous avez envie de suivre le podcast, tout ce qu'on fait, ben allez liker une de nos pages, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, bla, 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 bla. On sort un nouvel épisode à chaque lundi. Donc, euh, ben c'est ça. OK, bye-bye.